0: Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by guest preacher, Reverend Dr. Richard Haney. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, visit firstpresevanston.org. Our
1: scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, which you'll find in the New Testament section of our Pew Bibles on page 3, or on the screen. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that by hearing we may also obey your will, Through the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Jesus was baptized by John at the River Jordan. Just as Jesus came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, All these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: It's so good to be with you this morning. Thank you for the invitation and the opportunity to be with you and to bring God's word to you this morning. I have uh, appreciated First Prez Evanston from afar and your long history of supporting Frontier Fellowship and gotten to know um, some of your members and staff, but it's great to be with you in person. Thank you so much for being part of the Frontier Mission journey with us, and uh, thank you for uh, joining me as we study God's Word together this morning. Let's pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. In the very beginning of the church, the New Testament church, there were apostles who led the way. Peter, Paul, James, John, then they died. Many died a martyr's death. And then they were followed by the apostolic fathers who led the church in the next season. Irenaeus, Clement, Polycarp, Origen, Tertullian, quite a few North Africans in that group. Then came the Desert Fathers, other leaders of the church who began their ministry in the desert, many as monks, monks, nuns, friars. They often went to the desert to fast and to pray and to battle evil, the demons. And why did they go into the desert to find demons and to pray and to battle evil? Because Jesus went into the desert, led by the Spirit to fast and to pray, and then to battle Satan in this story of three temptations. So the Desert Fathers and the monastic movement actually traces its beginning back to this example of Jesus that inspired Antony of Egypt and Pacomius and Paul of Thebes and all these unusual hermits that then started monasteries and began the monastic movement. For many, many years in the early church, it was illegal to be a Christian or you got persecuted by the Roman government or persecuted by the Persian government. Then Constantine, in the year 312 said no more persecution. It's okay to be a Christian. And then there were no more martyrs, or not many. So then how did you distinguish yourself as a serious Christian? Well, you became a monk or a nun or joined a monastic order. So the monasteries and the monks carried the heart of Christianity for many, many years and gave us these leaders. And again, Jesus's example in the desert was really key in inspiring them. So today's the first Sunday in Lent. We begin this journey of following Jesus for 40 days all the way to Holy Week, And we begin with this story that Matthew gives us about Jesus tempted in the wilderness. So I want to ask three questions this morning as we look at the passage. Why did Jesus undergo these temptations? What were the actual temptations? And what can we learn from them for us? What does it mean for us today? So why did Jesus go through this testing encounter? By the way, the word for temptation in the New Testament is also the word for test. So it could be test, could be temptation. Why did Jesus undergo it? Now notice that this passage comes right after the baptism passage. Jesus is baptized, Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted. Then he starts his public ministry, calls disciples, begins teaching and healing and helping. Jesus is the son of man and Jesus is the son of God. We believe that Jesus is human, he took on human flesh, we believe Jesus is divine, and the temptations show Jesus being tested at his vulnerability as a person, like many of us. He goes into the wilderness and fasts and he's hungry. He's hungry for food. Hebrews puts it this way, for we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weakness, we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are yet without sin. So think of Jesus' baptism for a moment as a kind of ordination or consecration that sets him apart for his ministry as the son of God. And then think of the temptation as a kind of preparation or, or testing to get him ready for his public ministry as the son of God. And Satan The figure of evil, he's out to divert Jesus, to keep him from his mission, to keep him from being successful, to distract him, to show him an easier road. So it's a battle and a testing. You can actually walk through the the Gospels and see Jesus continuing to battle Satan when he casts out a demon or when he confronts evil, when he confronts sickness and heals somebody. So here's the first temptation. After Jesus had fasted, he's hungry. Satan says to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And notice the if clause. If you are the son of God. He's just been baptized. He's just heard the voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm the son. And then the Satan says, if you're the son, then do this. If you're the son of God, use your power. You're hungry. Make bread. So what's wrong with that? Why shouldn't have Jesus acceded to the suggestion that he use his power to alleviate his hunger? Now, it has a lot to do with who Jesus is and his sonship and his vocation. And Satan is goading him to use his power come on, Jesus, if you're really God's son, you ought to have power and authority and freedom to do what you want and to get what you need. But Jesus decides there's another way. Have any of you seen that, um, that Star Wars spin-off show, The Mandalorian? Anybody know The Mandalorian? It's a funny little story set in a Star Wars world where there is this bounty hunter, soldier with this special armor. And every once in a while, he makes a decision and he says, this is the way. This is the way. This is the way of the Mandalorian. They, they have a code. And we see pretty early in Jesus's ministry that he has a code. Every time Satan tempts him, he answers. His first words are, it is written. It is in writing. Jesus knows the scriptures, and he finds the one that informs this moment, this situation, this testing. It is written, one does not live by bread alone. He doesn't say, I don't live by bread alone. He says, man or one or humans, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So he lodges his answer with scripture. By the way, all these biblical texts that Jesus cites, in the first temptation, it comes from Deuteronomy 8. Number two and number three, it's from Deuteronomy 6. All these are passages from Deuteronomy taken from the story of Israel in the wilderness. Jesus had just come through the waters of baptism like Israel crossing the Red Sea. Now he has to face in 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness the equivalent of Israel's 40 years in the desert. But where Israel failed, Jesus succeeds. Then there's a second temptation. This one has to do with the spectacular. By the way, if you read Matthew closely, I looked at it again this morning. It says the Spirit took him up into the wilderness, and then the tempter takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple. And again says, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you on their hands. They will bear you up. You will not dash your foot against a stone. Satan uh, cites Psalm 91. Satan is a quick study. He's just caught on, right? Okay, you're going to answer with scripture. I can play that game. I've got a scripture for you. The angels will take care of you. Cast yourself down from the pinnacle if you're the son of God. But Jesus answers with another scripture. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Um, Here's a word for Bible study. Here's a word for hermeneutics. That's a fancy word for interpreting the Bible. Jesus knows what text of scripture is appropriate for his situation. And he answers with Deuteronomy 6. By the way, if you want to lean into that, read the next chapter in Matthew. Matthew 5 begins the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And often in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will say, you have heard it said, he'll quote something from the Old Testament, but I say to you, you have heard it said, don't kill. But I say to you, if you look upon somebody with murderous thoughts, You are committing the sin. He intensifies the law. He interprets the law. Jesus is our our greatest hermeneutics expert helping us to interpret the scriptures. Finally, there's a third temptation. Devil takes him up to a very high mountain, up into the wilderness, up to the pinnacle of the temple, up to a very high mountain. He can see everything all over the world. Satan says, if you'll bow the knee to me, I'll give you all of this. All the kingdoms, all the countries, And in my world, all the people groups and all the languages, I'll give it all to you right now. And again, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The final temptation invites Jesus to receive what he will receive in the fullness of time, but offers it with a shortcut. I'll give it to you now. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to sweat tears of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. You don't have to X, Y, Z. Right now, you can have all the kingdoms of the world. All three of these temptations are promising what God will give him in the fullness of time. But all of these are shortcuts. You can have them now. So back to the why question. Why does Satan offer all these benefits by means of a shorter road that misses suffering, cross, Good Friday, before we get to Resurrection Sunday? Because Satan is trying to divert Jesus from his mission And Jesus' mission is to die and save us from our sins and usher us into the kingdom of God. And there isn't a shortcut. Jesus is going to not only take on human flesh, he's going to take on human sin, and he's going to kill it forever and give us life. I love the way the Gospel of John gives us a description of Jesus' mission. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly, John chapter 10. And then the very next chapter, John 11, the story of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus offers us fullness of life and eternal life, but it's through the cross and resurrection. And so Satan is trying to divert him from this. And if Satan is trying to divert him Satan will try to divert us. What is our mission in life? Now, it's not for me in two sentences to tell you our mission in life. But here it is. The great commandment, love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations. If I had to sum it up, I would say take the great command, love, and the great commission, tell others about the love and life of Jesus, and make that your mission. But Satan doesn't want you to do that. Satan turns us against one another. So we bicker and we fight and we disagree and we demonize one another. Satan doesn't want us to tell the world about Jesus. So he says, you've got enough on your plate right now. You don't have any bandwidth to be involved in mission. Take care of things right here. What about the world? I read your bulletin. It says the world. You have the world in there. You have Evanston, Chicago, and the world. I saw it. That's your mission. Don't let Satan keep you from it. Remember that little song? uh, What is it? Don't hide your light. Don't let Satan blow it out. This little light of mine. Don't let Satan blow it out. (laughs) You know, as you get older, I feel it coming. The world sometimes shrinks instead of the world gets larger. My aunt in uh, Venice, Florida, died in November. And I was trying to visit her more and more because she had no kids. I was the closest nephew. And every time I visited, I saw her world get a little, just a little smaller. She could talk about her meals and, and her pain and not much else. But God wants for us to dwell in the big world this kingdom and to care about the whole world so what do we say in conclusion about this wonderful passage three things invite me back i'll tell you more <laughs> jesus's temptation reveals there is an evil one there is evil in the world whether you call it satan or a force there is an adversary there is darkness there are atrocities in ukraine there is pain and suffering in Myanmar. There's pain and suffering in Chicago. Jesus reveals that Satan is a tempter. Secondly, Jesus' resistance shows us the nature of his mission to become king by the cross. And finally, Jesus' answers highlight the importance of God's word. He answers every test with a word from the scriptures. In my world... The world of frontier mission we pray and we work for all people in the world to have access to god's word and to have good news about jesus because there are lots of people that have never heard and so bible translation is one of the things among many that we highlight here's here's a new translation of the bible in rc romo for ethiopia i was just there in december to celebrate the new bible So when we think about countering Satan, we need access to the scriptures. We need to read the scriptures. We need to know the scriptures. So I want to close with this story. A number of years ago, there was a British couple in Iran and they smuggled some Bibles, some Bibles in to share. And they stopped, this couple at a petrol station to get gas or petrol for their car. And as the man finished and was Getting back in the car, his wife said, you see that man over by the side of the building, leaning up against the building? He said, the one with the big rifle? She said, yes, that one. I think we're supposed to give him a Bible. And he said, no way. I am not handing him a Bible. He got in the car. They raced out. They started going down the road. After about five minutes, his wife said, stop the car right now. Pull over. Stop the car. He said, why? She said, one day we're going to die and go to heaven. And the Lord's going to say to us, why didn't you give that Bible to the man I told you to give it to? And he thought, oh, he knew that he had to do it. A woman couldn't hand a man a Bible. He had to do it. So he took the car back and raced back and got to the trunk of the car and he got a Bible out and he walked over and he very timidly handed him the Bible. The man took it. He kissed it. This is the book of life. Then he told him his story. He said, 10 days ago, I had a dream. And in the dream, a man in a white robe said, go to this place and wait at that spot and someone will hand you the book of life. He said, it took me six days to get to that place. And I'd been waiting for three days for someone to hand me the book of life. That man became a follower of Jesus. After a few years, he was martyred. But he learned a wonderful lesson in life that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Jesus, the word of God incarnate. We thank you for the scriptures, the word of God written. Feed our souls that we might be your disciples in Lent and throughout the year, for we pray in your name.